So, what can be said about marriage and parenting? Um, a lot. Marriage and parenting may be one or two of the hardest things you've ever done, but we believe that they are so worth it through every season and stage. Whether you're married with kids or without, we've got your back. Hi there. We're Nate and Kate Godfrey. We've been married for 17 and a half years and have two daughters, Trinity and Sydney. We've also been house parents at a boarding school for over 11 and a half years, raising children from across the country of all different ages, races, cultures, religions, backgrounds, all while raising our own crazy kids. We know that marriage and parenting can be hard. Mm -hmm. They can be exhausting, and we know that sometimes you may want to take the nearest exit from one or both. But marriage and parenting can also be so incredibly amazing and easily worth your effort, even during the fights and sleep-deprived moments. We believe in putting your marriage and family first, and this podcast was created with you in mind. We want you to know that we see you, we hear you, and we get the struggles you're going through. Believe me, we do. We may have not had all of the same struggles or experiences, but we do have a ton of marriage and parenting experience to share and hope that you will follow along with us as we share that experience through stories, tips, and advice with lots of humor. We want you to feel empowered and encouraged on your marriage and parenting journeys, and we'll join you because the learning doesn't stop. No, it doesn't. So whether you're a single parent, divorced, or widowed, and whether you're a biological, foster, adoptive parents, or parents of children with special needs, We want you to know that we're here for you, and you are possibly here for them. Join us each week as we realistically and authentically share who we are and what we've learned with you to make both your marriage and parenting experiences the best that they can be. We'll also be sharing weekly bonus episodes of interviews with others who share their parenting and marriage journeys with some advice thrown in along the way. Welcome to Authenticate Nate. We We are are so so glad glad you're you're here. Friends, another Friday is upon us. Welcome to another episode of Authenticate Nate. Today, my guest is Jonna Watson. Jonna is a wife and mom of four, the set of twins thrown in there, and she is also a school psychologist. And she is fascinated with neuroscience and the brain, getting in touch with your inner child. So we cover all of those topics and we talk about how to reboot your marriage and your motherhood by getting in touch with your inner child, letting that creativity and free thinking and imagination flow. So I hope you guys enjoy this episode and I will catch you with the takeaways at the end. Hi, Jonna. Hey, how are you, Kate? Good. How are you? Oh, good. It's Tuesday (laughs) and I'm trying to get things done, but I'm so glad we have this time to have a conversation. Yes, me too. And we're slowly making it through spring, which seems to be really taking its time. Where are you at? I'm in Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. So it's about the same weather. It just will not break through to be consistently warm. And that's frustrating. So next week, it might be in the sixties all week. So I still need a sweater for the sixties, but I'm like a solid 70, 75 kind of person when the tank tops come out and I can leave it on. I'm really happy, but maybe by the time this airs, it'll be really warm. Yes, exactly. (laughs) We can hope. Yes. Yes. So you, there's so many things I want to cover with you. So let's start with your parenting and your motherhood. So you have two children, right? I have four children. Four, ch- four children. I've only four. seen yep. two. Okay. I don't know so if they've all off. made an appearance on my Instagram Maybe lately. Not. My oldest is 10, 10 and a half. Okay. Um, I have twins who they will turn eight on Friday in a couple of days. And my youngest is four. She's almost five. She's the cutest. I saw your little reel where you're singing the song and she's like, mommy, we made the sun come yes. out. Like, That's so cute. Oh. 
She's so sweet. So four kids. So tell me, you know, was that like always the plan Four kids was I'm assuming twins was a surprise and how do you balance it all? There's the question. How do you balance it all? That's the question, right? I, I always, I mean, I've always wanted kids. I love kids. I actually thought I wanted six and then you know, I, you know, I, I, I dream big and then, you know, yes, kind of then we move back out. it down. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, I knew I wanted a lot of, I, I wanted it. I came from a family of four kids, but, um, we had our first and then the twins was a total surprise. We don't have twins on either side of our families. It was just like, wow. Um, so that really kind of shook things because I'm so used to, getting it all done. I really had to learn to ask for help. They were actually born five weeks early. So they Mm -hmm. were in the NICU for a little while, a couple of weeks. And so I had to come home to my son who was two. And that was a lot of like learning how to ask for help. That was, that began my journey. I think of Mm -hmm. like learning to strip away the ego of myself. Yes. Yes. Asking for help is hard being vulnerable. Exactly. And I really, I don't know, even though I had one, I don't know, for some reason it, it didn't click that I needed to be reaching out. And it was just enough that I was able to keep my head above water, even though I probably was (laughs) needing that even back then. But the twins really were maybe a turning point in my life of like learning how to, you know, really, I don't know, interact with my community and have people come alongside and just, Mm. um, really feel all the feelings. Cause it was a very devastating time to leave your babies. And then, yes. then one of them came home from before the other. And then there was oh. one at home with me and one in the hospital. So that was a whole um, thing, but they're healthy now. They're going to be eight this week, like I said. And, um, and then, yeah, we had one more. So you're busy. <sighs> you're yeah. busy. Wow. Yeah. My, my youngest will be going to kindergarten this year. Um, so it is kind of a turning point in my life. And then, yeah, I've been working part-time ever since. Okay. Um, really this whole time I've been working in some capacity. I'm very part-time right now. So I work as a school psychologist. And so a lot of my fascination with like just the brain and, and play and how that all interacts with learning. A lot of that has to do with the things I learn in my job, but then seeing it come to life in my kids really takes on new meaning. And then also just everything I've been discovering about myself and getting in touch with my own inner child yeah, uh, has been fascinating. Yeah. So how do you see it come alive in your children? Well, I, I really see it as they're so present in the moment they are allowing their five senses to kind of take in information and learn. Whereas I feel like as adults, we just lose some of that. We learn how to check out. We learn how to um, just pay less attention. I know I do. And if I'm not careful, you know, the day goes by and I, I don't take that time for myself. My you know, my whole thing is I began checking in with my inner child to see mm-hmm. what I needed for, mm-hmm. um, my 40th birthday, which was last year. And it really became kind of a little bit of a contemplative practice to sort of say, what is it that I can do apart from like goals or outcomes to honor myself for just five minutes each day, because mm-hmm. that doesn't sound like a lot of time, but you know, five minutes can it really began to sort of transform my day. And I, I found I had a playful spirit inside that had really been kind of tamped down for mm-hmm. a lot of years. And I was just kind of getting back in touch with that. And my kids 
they enjoy it too. They actually, now they ask me, have you played today? Like they ask me that almost every day now they, because oh, they know I that. I, that. I, yeah. I think it's, it's so easy to lose a sense of joy and wonder as adults and like to stop and be present and be still. I know I struggle with that myself. It always seems like there's so much to do and you're constantly living by the clock and then you're exhausted at the end of the day. And you're like, what, what did I even do? I don't know. I know it's, and I, I am, I'm good at being, being productive, but you know, sometimes it does, it comes at a cost and it does. So they, that has been really neat even to involve them too, because it doesn't always require. And what I love about it is it doesn't need to be like a weekend away or a massage mm-hmm. or these things that we kind of build it up to be, although those are great. Right. There's nothing of course. wrong with that. And <laughs> I get a massage too, but it's like incorporating those daily, just being present. Like one of my things in the fall was like stepping on crunchy leaves that delights wow. my inner child and the things that just kind of keep you just in in touch with that side of yourself Mm -hmm. that just gets lost. It gets lost in the busyness. Mm, It does. It does. We need to make time to slow down. I learned that lesson myself recently. I was going, 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 trying to like, we work 12 days in a row. We work full days, but then I'm also trying to podcast when all the kids are at school. So I was just burning myself out. And then when we hit spring break, I mean, I'm never sick. I got sick. So my Mm -hmm. body was like, yeah, we're done. You're going to stop now. And that was a big part of my body started to break down after I had my twins and even asking for help and reaching out. Mm -hmm. My body was saying no. And I was beginning to experience symptoms just of my heart racing or just Mm. fatigue and getting sick and not being able to really recover very easily. So it was, my body was wearing down much more quickly than I wanted. I wanted to have energy. I wanted to be present. And it was my body really saying no. And Um, that began me kind of on the journey of saying, what do I need to be changing to, to have energy to show up in my kids' lives? That's what I want to be. That's the kind of mom I want to be. And I had to, you know, along with, you know, just everything and everyone, all the things of health. And, you know, there were a lot of things, but I would say the, the spirit of joy and wonder that has played a really big role as well as all the sleep and routines Mm -hmm. and exercise, you know, all of those things together. But I would say, the easiest thing to start with sometimes is like something that seems just so simple and it's right in front of us. Yeah. Yeah. And we tend to miss it. We tend to miss it for sure. And I think the pandemic was a gift in many ways, but I think one big gift it gave people was family time together and slowing down and reevaluating their lives, reevaluating their jobs. I mean, bike sales went through the roof. Everybody was getting outside. So I think that was a great benefit of COVID that I think is still happening today. I think it you know, it was really beneficial for a lot of families who took advantage of that. Yeah, definitely reprioritizing. How do we want to be spending our days? And yes. I think getting to really be as hard as it was to kind of like homeschool my kids by the seat of my mm-hmm. pants and also figure out how to keep up with work. And it was definitely hard, but I wouldn't, it really was a time that, yeah, it kind of stopped time. Yes. Where, where we got so much more of each other than we used to have. And that part, I really do even now think back, wow, it's been two years. And that was a really special time in some ways of like really getting to have more time than we had ever had. Mm -hmm. And some people are still getting that because a lot of people aren't going back to their traditional job and they're working from home. And I think that's, that's great. We're reevaluating and redesigning our lives. Yep. We needed a reboot. 
it's good for society. I think think so. I mean, and in a lot of ways, it's still causing me to reevaluate like, okay, I kind of have a vision of what I want our family life Mm -hmm. to be like, and how can we keep ourselves a little bit less busy? What can we keep saying no to? That's kind of sort of starting to filter through what can we say no to? What can, you know, because it does, it requires you to peel away a lot of the busyness that we have. Right. Right. And there's strength within yourself in learning to say no. Like I need time for myself and my family and all of that. And I think a lot of people still struggle with saying no, because they want to be a part of, you know, the PTA or whatever it is. And it's just too much. It's too much. So tell me how, how does your husband fit into all of this? And what is some of your story with him? Well, so he, you know, it's interesting. We got together at such a young age and we met in college. And so now we've been together like 22 years, I think. And um, so we've really seen a lot of like, I think, things evolve, people change. And our relationship has, you know, obviously with adding kids to the mix, but we have always the, the common thread, we've always been creatives. And Mm. so that's been our kind of, I think our language. And we really understand that really well in each other. He's a songwriter and a musician. And so that's been something really fun lately. We just, um, have been connecting on that because I've noticed, even as I've said, some of my, you know, inner child contemplative practices that I do, he started to incorporate that himself. And so that has been really fun to see him become yeah. a little bit more playful too. And so I, I really think that it's, it's changed a lot in our relationship too, which is an interesting aspect that I hadn't really anticipated. Yeah. But it's a bonus. <laughs> but yeah, it has been really fun. And I think, um, we just make things so hard. We make things so Mm. adult. And of course we need that side too. We need that. we got to survive, but then getting more back into that, um, tapping into the play and the creativity and right. It's, it's huge. I would agree. I would agree. And how do you guys work out in terms of like communication with four kids and scheduling and, and all of that? Cause I know it's harder for some married couples than others. And you know, every that's, you know, big question. Everyone wants to know how, how do you communicate with your spouse? Well, that's a great question. I mean, I think we (laughs) always circle back to it. It's probably one of the harder things, but we have a shared calendar. I mean, in terms of Mm -hmm. practical things, we have a shared calendar, send each other invites to things that need, um, for track meets or whatever, like, so that we can share information that way. I do use a paper pencil calendar, but he is in technology and he, is on, you know, I prefer paper and pencil too. I put like all of my, um, like appointments on my phone and then like 20 reminders. Yeah. But I do love the pencil paper in terms of like list making. I love to cross it out. (laughs) I I do. And I use like these, my gel pens. Like I just, I'm a very visual person. So like for me, I still use that and it works really well also because I have a ton of like really short appointments and I just need mm -hmm. that visual. But we do, I do use like Google calendar to mm-hmm. meet, like to send him invites when I need him to be at right. a certain place. Right. Um, yes. <laughs> so that, that, and then also because our kids are a little bit older now, we do day, day dates. So Good. we go out together during the day for lunch versus like, I don't know about you. We've found it's really hard to find a babysitter for four kids to put them yep. to bed. It just is not happening. Like <laughs> we're not, we <laughs> It's just not it's the hard. Time, not yeah. the we're in. Um, we don't do late night 
dates yeah. or anything. Um, so we either go out to lunch or we just do like an early afternoon date That's where nice. we can be home to still put the kids in bed because it's just hard. We have a 13 year old babysitter we use sometimes and she's great, but putting four kids to bed, I think it's just out of the wheelhouse for a 13 year old. I would agree as it should be really. <laughs> So we, we get back by eight or nine and we put the kids in bed. So that's yeah. kind of in a practical way. We just kind of work around that right now. And it's not going to last forever. We got, no. I, I always feel like physically, we got through a really physically demanding part where we weren't sleeping. We did the twin thing, which yes. for that, I will say for any twin listeners you might have, we each took a baby and we just divided mm. and conquered. And we, he was very helpful in that season of, cause I couldn't really take care of two babies at night myself. Right. No, that's awesome that he was so supportive and he stepped up Very and, and yeah. did that. That's awesome. Good for you. <laughs> so I want to talk about your podcast, the five minute inner child. And I also want to talk about your fascination with neuroscience in relation to your job and, and all of that. I, I think that's really fascinating. So the, the podcast sort of came out of this experiment I did for my 40th birthday, I was trying to celebrate it the whole month long. I didn't want it to just be one day. And so I, I decided like that. whole month of October, I invited like me and a bunch of friends to just like do something for your inner child for 31 days in October. So it kind of started there and I ended up, it was during this time I was taking like a class in podcasting and I met a lot of people during that. Like it just sort of came to life. I don't really know any other way. I began to have a lot of people who would tell stories of like, just what would happen, like when they would, um, get quiet and reconnect with themselves, just stories of creativity or writing a story or, um, painting a picture, just things that were really meaningful. And so I began to interview some people that, were participating. And then from there, there were just, there were people that were interested and wanted to talk about it. And I sort of just went on from there. It became something where I've been collecting stories of what happens when people connect with their inner child. I love that. I love that. Ah, that's so fun. And there's so many creative people too. It was really neat to, it became, I had, I had a group and people were posting just pictures of what it was really it was just something that kind of took on a life of its own and, mm -hmm. um, inspired other people. And, you know, even some of the participants, there, there were people that were joining the group that I didn't know. And that were just interested in, in playing along with me. Um, I called it inner child bingo. And I don't know if I ever, if anybody ever got a bingo, it just became really fun <laughs> to get to see people's pictures of connecting with their inner child. And, um, it was just a really, it was fun. It was fun. And people, had stories of how it changed them. And I said, I, I think there's something here. I want to keep doing this. And it yeah. was fun and life-giving. That's awesome. And it's amazing that when we step out and try, maybe it's not going to be our thing, or mm -hmm. I was listening to uh, an interview on John, John Chow's podcast recently, and he interviewed uh, a woman who's just basically like, just start somewhere. You never know what that one thing could lead to the next thing. And that could be your passion and it could monetize. And I think, you know, his point and her point was that we can hold ourselves back. Like if I'm not going to make money at it or if what I'm, what if I'm not good at it? What if I fail? You know, all these things, we don't step out, but then the people who are most successful and really enjoy their lives, get out of their own way yep. and they just try. And if that doesn't work to try something else and some like amazing, beautiful things can come from all of that. 
It's true. And that's, I think that's part of my fascination is I began to realize like, because as a job, I do a lot of evaluations and looking at like specific disorders. And I I do a lot of that. And what I started to realize is that actually learning the learning process happens through this sort of playful Mm -hmm. experimentation. So I began to see like, this is really something that leads to greatness. I began to read about like some just people in history, Leonardo da Vinci, and just some of these great inventors and artists and, and, and people that we know about their names. And it's like, they were not, they, they were, weren't afraid to fail. Their experimentation was part of their process. And, and I love that. And I wish that was a little bit more acceptable, especially Mm. for kids to have the freedom to, to experiment and to try things out and I didn't know where, I don't know where this is necessarily leading, but I think what I've done throughout this process is, is develop a curriculum of, um, towards, especially the reading process, creating more wonder and multi-sensory, um, into infusing that into learning. And Mm. so, because there's so much of that, like we learn at a very deep level, it's not the kind of learning that you just need to take a test and pass the test. It's like a different kind of learning that automaticity where we don't have to think about walking because we've done it. So it's that deep embedded learning that requires all of our senses. And so I'm really, it makes me really excited to sort of pass this on and to let it be, you know, messy because that is how learning occurred. And so I, it gets me all excited because I do see kind of where this has led me and what I can I think, start to apply it. That's awesome how it just kind of keeps the path keeps winding and you never, you don't see certain parts. You're like, Oh, that, yep. that's good. Okay. I, I get right. dots are connecting. That's great. Yep. And it's why, you know, it's so important for children to yep. play. They learn so much through play. Exactly. Yes. Yes. So tell me what you're seeing in terms of a professional school psychologist, in terms of kids needing to connect with their inner child. And then when they don't, how you see that affecting them. Well, that's a great question. Um, I mean, I think even in the last couple of years, things have gotten even Mm -hmm. more difficult on so many levels, whether you talk about learning in general through a screen, which is not ideal or just the mental health aspect of being more isolated. I mean, there's so many levels to it um, because in terms of numbers, evaluations, like referrals coming to me, just keep going up and up and up. So, you know, part of part of where I think my passion is leading is like really more of a preventative side of like, how can we prevent a lot of these things from getting disconnected? How can we, um, sort of keep the spirit of the inner child without getting disconnected? So Mm. preserving that, that sense of wonder and preserving that, um, just that playful spirit. How can we do that Mm -hmm. before, we have to wait until like, for me that I'm in middle age and getting reconnected. Is there a way to preserve that spirit of, of fascination and awe and wonder, um, without it becoming something that we have to kind of reconnect to ourselves. So a lot of that is kind of, I think incorporating these things before that preventative side, which is what I'm trying to kind of put together and work on. Okay. Okay. And I like that you mentioned prevention because I think so many times we forget that we, if we focused more on prevention in so many areas, we don't have to keep fixing or keep finding solutions because we're keeping it from happening in the first place and save so much time and mental health and all the things. 
Well, if you think about it as a muscle, like if you keep using the muscle, it's a stronger connection. So anytime, like if you're talking about the brain, the brain is very similar to like a muscle. So the more times you go through that neural pathway, the easier it is to get there the next time, because it's like a memorized path. Right. So that's that automaticity. So I think of it as a muscle. And if we keep encouraging mm-hmm. our kids to use that play or creative muscle over and over, I think it'll just be easier to get back to. And so mm-hmm. even though, you know, there might still be hard, you know, we're not going to prevent everything, you know, life still happens, but I think maintaining that muscle connection, um, can really, I see that as, as sort of just something to incorporate into, into a habit, into a daily practice. Right. Right. And when you're specifically working with the kids that you see, do you find yourself in terms of your job? I'm not sure. Like, do you have to spend more time on evaluations and talking with them, or do you get to focus on like a little play therapy or, you know, draw me a picture or anything like that. My job primarily is to do evaluation. So I don't get a lot of time yet. That's why this is sort of my passion project to the side that hopefully I will get to start implementing in some different ways. Um, Because primarily my time is so consumed with evaluating, which is more on the end of like, okay, we're seeing all these issues. How can you help? And so I do, I have all kinds of tests I give and it's very mm-hmm. standardized and there's a whole procedure. Um, some of it does involve getting, you know, doing some, a lot of my work is one-on-one, but it's, it's less, um, less about the inner child than I would like. And so Got hopefully it. in the future, there are, like I said, I'm developing some things that I'd like to start introducing and, um, we'll see where it goes. Yeah. That sounds great. That sounds great. I have a uh, play therapist from our school. Um, I have like slotted to interview at some point. So I'm really excited to to see what she's going to share in terms of play therapy and psychology and that whole end of it. One of the, one of the projects, the aspects of one of the projects I'm working on was um, a sort of a research aspect. I have my research hat I put on and I love to gather data on how, like, because everybody wants to know how does this actually work in the real world? And Mm -hmm. so one of the things that I'm working on is just as a parent, how, when we take that time for ourselves, what is, what does it change in our kids? And so Mm -hmm. I do have some um, research that I'm hoping to be able to complete to show exactly what happens and what the breakdown is on how kids scores in certain areas of mental health might change when parents are taking five minutes a day to play. So I, I I do have a research study that hopefully will, will be able to be. That's fascinating. That's awesome. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And do you, in your job, do you get to talk to the parents a lot in terms of making recommendations for their children? And if so, like what recommendations do you give them that they can do at home to support their children? Yeah. A lot of my job, like at at the end of each evaluation, I do get a chance to meet with the parents and the school team and give my, my recommendations a lot of time. I mean, one of the biggest bangs for your buck is to read with your kid and to make it like a family activity. If you're going to do one thing as a family, if you can read to your kid each night and make it a family, because there's something that happens to the parents too, that when you can like take that time, it really is special. It just is incredibly bonding, but then also, um, you know, is sparking their imagination too, because books do that for us. So absolutely definitely think reading, if you're going to do one thing, reading with your kids at night is like the eat, like probably the fastest thing, five or 10 minutes a night. If you can do that, you're doing something that has a ton of different, it's one of those keystone behaviors of like 
if you do that, it influences a lot of other areas of connection and, and just imagination. Absolutely. Um, and also for the parents, a lot of times, like getting that time to just kind of sometimes for parents too, reconnecting with their own mm-hmm. sense of like, oh, this, you know, going through some of the stories, once your kids get to the ages where, you know, the books are interesting to, to oh read. yeah, I still have all my books from when I was a child. Now my girls are reading them, but I still read to my girls yep. and they're in middle school and they mm-hmm. love to, I mean, the younger one, she's going to be 12 tomorrow, but she still loves to sit and snuggle and listen to a story. I mean, she's perfectly capable of reading on her own, but I love that. It just, it really is bonding and connecting and it helps them with their scholastics and their vocabulary, their imagination, their writing skills. It's just across the board. There's so many great things about reading out loud to your kids. Yeah. Oh. Um, yeah. I, I mean, that's huge. I mean, getting into nature together yes. and that's, I mean, we all probably need to, to be outside more and moving more just the fact of our lifestyles right now. That's something that everybody can benefit from. And then one of the things that comes up all the time is just having kind of a sleep hygiene type schedule mm. of like putting screens away several hours before bedtime and just being able to give your brain a break from, because it is very activating. The blue lights are very activating to your brain. And so whether you feel like it's doing something or not, it is. And so you're not, I'm not, none of us are immune to that. And I have, I mean, it's hard. Um, but that's one of those things I feel like I come back to time almost every time saying, and I'm saying it to myself, you know, a couple hours before it's just put the screens away and, and being able to take that time. It gives you really more of a sense for yourself too, to be able to get into a bedtime routine, which I know I could use Mm -hmm. able to slow down. Yes. Yes. I agree. 100%. So tell me about your fascination with neuroscience and the brain body connection. Yeah. So a lot of like the testing that I do and everything, it's all tied to the areas of our brain and how we learn. And so many of the ways that I give recommendations are all based on a neuroscience approach to, you know, for a long time, people thought that the brain was disconnected from the body. And it Mm -hmm. turns out that that's just not true. So, um, I think that now you say that, and it's, sounds really obvious when I, when I say that, but it did not always used to be the case. And so just understanding how, when we get into kind of more of that survival state of fight or flight, our higher order thinking, our prefrontal cortex is disconnected. So we're actually not thinking logically. So even as a parent, if you're thinking in terms of parenting skills, we're not making, we're not at our best when we're in that state, as if that wasn't an obvious enough statement, it's true at a, at a brain level that we are disconnected from our higher order thinking from our critical thinking. And so we're going to, just by taking that time to engage our, our play muscle, if you want to call it that it's our vagus nerve. And so that actually is able to activate our parasympathetic nervous system, which allows us to get back into a state of thinking coherently and thinking with our critical thinking. And so it it really is all connected. And, you know, I think that it's easy to think, oh, play, it's just so frivolous, but it actually Mm. helps us with problem solving. It helps us stay connected to our logic and to what is best for us and for our family. So it, 
it's something that I hope, and I, I try to, to pass that message along so that hopefully we can, we can take back that word and whether we call it creativity or play or imagination, mm -hmm. that there really is a science to why we should be doing it because it, it helps us think better. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And I think it's, yeah, all the things that you said, just play is just so important and critical thinking for kids is so important teaching them how to respond and not react. I just did a reel yesterday on even being calm when you're disciplining, because maybe you're really upset because of what your child just did, but you have to be self-aware and check yourself and make sure you're responding and not reacting and just a few ways to help keep yourself calm. And we're not going to do it perfectly every time we're humans, but yeah. Yeah. And there's lots of ways to do it. I mean, play is one aspect. There's lots of other ways though, to calm your nervous system through deep breathing, through rhythmic breathing. So swimmers are really good at that because it's like incorporated mm. or running or even playing sense. an instrument or, or singing anything mm. that involves kind of a rhythmic breath. Um, but that also calms the body and the nervous system. So there's, you know, there's lots of ways to get there, but I think it does the, the thing, the key is it, it does have to be intentional. You do have mm -hmm. to uh, unless those things are already embedded into your life, right? It's probably something that most of us have to be pretty intentional about. Right. Right. And create that habit. Yeah. It's so beneficial. Whatever habit, whatever way you want to get there, right. creating that habit is the important part to make it a daily practice because we can get out of that mode mm -hmm. very easily. And then, yeah, we're not responding. You're right. Whether it's disciplining our kids or kind of correcting them and helping them through a hard time. If we're not in that state, it's that co-regulation. We can't pass along calm if we're not calm ourselves. Right. And then so. they're going to watch what we do. And the role modeling is so important. Sometimes I'm like, just stop watching me. I'm having yeah. a moment. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yep. Oh, do you have any advice other than all the great advice you've sprinkled in throughout the conversation? Do you have any advice for, for parents and anybody else out there with their kids or marriage advice, anything like that? One of the things I think that comes to mind when you say that I, when I started to make changes in, in my life and really take full responsibility for, look, this is not how I want my life to look really getting clear on what you want your family life to look like. I wrote out like an ideal week schedule of what oh, I want that. my ideal week to look like, like by the hour for like Monday through Friday what do I want our lives to look and feel and like really get descriptive on that? Because I don't think, I think otherwise you're sort of mm -hmm. swayed by the pressures, the busyness, and you know, you're never really going to get to where you're going if you don't know what it is that you're trying That's to do. True. So it's a lot easier to filter decision-making for me through, well, how does it, that fit into what, what I think we're trying to do. And it doesn't mean that you're not going to be flexible or change some things along the way, but I think just as a guideline, it can be helpful. It was helpful for me to get clear on what is like, what is it that I'm trying to do here and to, yeah. to really get specific. Yeah, no, I think that's a great piece of advice. That's very smart to be so intentional. I mean, even, you know, you talk about some marriages, it's hard for them to make time, so to speak, to be intimate. And some people are literally like, we write it in the schedule because if we don't, it doesn't happen. And it's just one of those important things, just like everything else on your calendar, that's equally important mm -hmm. and we write it in. So yeah. 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 I, I mean, I, I definitely understand that. And even though I think we are in a point where we're we have eliminated a lot, but, mm -hmm. and so there's a little bit, we've, we've built in what I wanted to do is build in more margin so that we yes. 
Because I think a lot of times my frustration as a mom, hurry, hurry, go, go. go. Like I'm getting frustrated. I'm transferring that lack of margin. I'm transferring Mm. it to my kids to understand something that like, really they're not hurt. They're never in a hurry. But like, why am I (laughs) in such a hurry? I've said so. And it's not to say that we, you know, we still have to, we do try to get get places on time and, you know, of course, of course, but building in more margin that's been part of my ideal week is, is having more cushion to let things be more playful to let things, because you're not going to be real playful when you're in the hurry. No. And you're creating that space for imagination and and rest and creativity. I think that's great. That's great. Well, I had a great time talking to you. You you really, you brought it. Of course you are a fascinating woman. Well, love what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Everybody needs to go check out your podcast, five minute inner child. And your latest was with Masako. Yes. And I saw that she is talking about how her body started to break down and she really started to listen to that and let go and move into photography and is an award-winning photographer now. So, I mean, that's amazing. And it goes exactly right back to, to what you're talking about. So thank you for everything that you're putting out in the world and sharing and, you know, reminding the adults to do what the kids need to be doing too. I think a lot of times we just have, we have to look at the kids and take some of their lead a little bit too. Yes, I would agree for sure. Well, thank you again. And I will talk to you you. soon. Mm -hmm. I hope you guys enjoyed listening to Jana's interview and feel inspired to get out there and be playful and use your imagination and be creative, whether it's on your own or with your spouse or with your kids. So here are today's takeaways. Number one, ask yourself how you see creativity present itself in you. Need inspiration? Well, look no further than your kids and then ask yourself, have I played today? Don't lose your sense of joy and wonder and figure out what you can do apart from goals or outcomes to honor yourself each day. Number two, Being productive comes at a cost. Slow down and be present with your partner and your kids. Do what delights you. Number three, listen to your body and ask yourself what you need to change in order to have energy to show up in your partner's and your kids' lives. Sometimes the simplest things are right in front of you, so don't forget to slow down enough so you can see them. Number four, if you're feeling out of alignment, overwhelmed, or exhausted, reevaluate, redesign, and reboot your life. What can you say no to? What can you make time for that brings you joy and a sense of wonder? And number five, don't be afraid to step out and try. If you fail, so what? Try again or try something else. Part of the joy of life is not losing our sense of imagination, exploration, and wonder. So get out of your own way and let the learning process begin through playful experimentation. Thank you again so much for listening today, guys. If you want more of Jana, you can find her on Instagram at Jana Watson. And you can also listen to her podcast, Five Minute Inner Child, wherever podcasts are found. And you can also rate and review this podcast if you enjoyed on whatever platform you're listening on. And I also wanted to share with you guys that I just created 15 free downloadable iPhone wallpapers. They are affirmations for moms just for them to encourage them, to support them each and every day. So head on over to um, Instagram and grab those, or you can see the link in the show notes and click on that and feel free to grab those and enjoy those and give me your feedback. Let me know what you think, but they are just for moms and I hope you enjoy them. But thanks again for listening. I hope you guys have a wonderful weekend and we will catch you on Monday. Thank you.